Good morning. I want to talk to you about God's grace this morning. In fact, I've called it outrageous grace. And the the word grace is a word that is absolutely fundamental in understanding what our faith is all about. It's fundamental to understanding what the scripture is about. And yet, it's a word that... Uh, very few people understand. Very few people really get their head and their heart around it. And so I want to, over the next several weeks leading up to Easter, I'd like us to, to focus on God's grace. And I think the best way for us to understand God's grace is through just telling you some of the stories in the New Testament where Jesus extended his grace to people who were in need. And before I go any further this morning, let me just ask you this question. Is anybody here in need of God's grace? Anybody here in need of God's help, his strength? Well, let me, I want to share, you, share with you a little bit about that. And uh, look, at, uh, look at that scripture verse from John chapter 1, verses 16 to 17. And if you would just read that f- with me, uh, just before you do, let me just say this. That, that uh, description of who Christ is, is a description given by one of the apostles, uh, the apostle John, evangelist John, and this is this is his description, his 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 um, explanation of who Jesus is and why he came. So let's read it together. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And so I want to just begin by saying this. Jesus was the most un, uh, misunderstood man on a mission that has ever lived. When he came to this earth, he gathered around him his, his disciples. They thought for sure that Jesus was going to send out, set up his kingdom and that uh, they would all become famous and become uh, his right-hand man in the process of setting up his kingdom on earth. The uh, Pharisees didn't understand what he was doing. They were threatened. They thought that Jesus was going to upset their social order, their religious order, etc. And uh, those closest to him didn't get it, and those who hated him didn't get him. And so we have to ask the question, really, what what was the reason for Jesus coming to this earth? And... I want to say this to you this morning. Uh, many of us, many of us have a vague idea, but many of us don't fully understand or fully appreciate what Jesus Christ has done for us. Especially if we've been in the faith for a while. We begin to take it for granted. We, we begin to forget just what Jesus has done for us. And so what I hope is going to happen over the next number of weeks is that you and I will be reminded of what Christ has done for us. And I hope that your heart is filled with thanksgiving. I hope that your heart is thrilled. I hope that you'll feel the way you did when you were first, first born again. Does that, does anybody remember when they first gave their heart to Jesus? Do you remember how you felt? Do you remember the joy? Do you remember the excitement? The feeling that you gotta go around and tell everybody about this wonderful thing? And as time goes on, you, you begin to forget and you, Move on to other things. I want us during this Easter season to remember God's grace, His outrageous grace. And you say, well, why outrageous grace? Well, you'll find out in just a moment. Jesus, and if you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 8. 
We're going to be looking at verses 1 to 11. But I'll, I'll tell you the story. Jesus has been going throughout the land preaching the gospel. And uh, he appears at the temple courts. All the people gather around him, and he sat and taught him. And suddenly, as he's teaching, the the, uh, the teachers of the law appear. Some of the Pharisees with him. They they bring to him this woman who is caught in adultery. And I, before I go any further, it always amazes me that that they only bring her and not him. How many know it takes two to commit adultery? <laughs> And, uh, and, and it's just her that they bring. They don't bring him along. They bring her along. And, uh, they make the poor woman stand up in front of everybody. And, uh, they say, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And teacher, as you know, the law of Moses commands that she should, in fact, be stoned. So, uh, what do you say? What do you say, Jesus? And, the Bible says here that they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him because however he answers this question was going to get him in trouble. If he says, no, the woman should not be stoned, well then, of course, he will be ridiculed and um, and brought into disrepute by the religious people and uh, they will accuse him of going against the law of God and then if he does say stone them, then, of course, he suffers at the hands of the Romans who forbade that sort of thing. And so they uh, they wanted to trap Jesus. They, they didn't like what Jesus was teaching. They didn't like what he was doing because, again, he was a threat. Interesting, isn't it? That this man, full of truth and full of grace, is hated by the authorities. But here's, here's, here's the amazing thing about Christ. As he doesn't answer the question, he bends down and he begins to write in the ground with his finger. Have you ever done that? You've, sure, you've done that at the beach. You can, you can, you can write all kinds of things in the sand. Hopefully nobody here has ever had to write SOS in the sand looking for help. I don't know. But Jesus in the, is just bent down, started writing in the sand. And it doesn't say what he was writing. But I suspect that probably what he was doing is, is he began to write out the sins that every one of us commits. He keeps writing, keeps writing. And then Jesus, after having his fill of being questioned and, and bullied by the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, he says this, If any of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down to the ground and kept on writing. The Bible says that when those who who heard Jesus challenge to throw the first stone if they were without sin, the Bible says that suddenly people started walking away because suddenly people realized that there wasn't a one of them who had the right to throw a stone at another person. There wasn't a one who was without sin. Now I want you to stop and consider for a moment your own heart. Because it's so quick, we're so quick and it's so easy to condemn others who fall short. It's so easy, isn't it? To humiliate and, and put down and condemn those who have fallen short. And Jesus stands up and he says to the woman, where are they? Where are the people who are condemning you? Where are your accusers? Where are those teachers of the law and those Pharisees 
who wanted to see you stoned, has no one condemned you? And she answered, no one, sir. And then Jesus, in the most outrageous display of grace, says, and neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. I want us to consider this morning what grace looks like. What does it look like and what does it mean for you and for me? Because the fact of the matter is, as so maybe some of you are sitting here today and thinking, well, I've never committed adultery. <laughs> maybe some of you are sitting here this morning, I've never murdered anybody. And you always hear that, don't you? When people want to, want to justify how good they are. Because most people want to do that. They want to make it clear, I'm a good person. You know what I'm talking about, right? I'm a good person. I don't need Christianity. Christianity is a crutch. Yeah, you've heard that. And many people believe they don't really don't need the grace that God has to offer. But I want you to stop and consider, to look at your life a little closer. What does grace look like? Well, first of all, uh, every one of us has experienced this. Caught. Have you ever been caught doing something you shouldn't do? I was, uh, I was thinking about this, and I immediately remembered a situation, and this may seem trivial compared to this poor woman being, being uh, brought before Jesus for committing adultery. But I remember in grade five, I had a brand-new teacher, and uh, she was uh, what I considered to be an old lady. And I thought, well, she's not too bright or too swift, so uh, I think I'm going to chew some gum. I had just been given a nice little box of Fruit-flavored chiclets. Does anybody remember fruit-flavored chiclets? Is there still such a thing? I don't know. But I thought, I'll just pop a few of those in my mouth. And, and uh, why not enjoy yourself if you have to go to school, right? And so I'm chewing this gum, and all of a sudden, she stops dead in, the tra- in her tracks, and, and uh, she, she, she just tells the class to be quiet for a moment. And everybody look up, and everybody looks up, and she says, Alan Duncalf, are you chewing gum? And uh, I went beet red, and I, what am I going to say? I'm going, my mouth is open, I'm chewing gum, and of course I have to admit, yes, yes, uh, ma'am, I am chewing gum. And she, she offers grace to me, <laughs> or what seems like grace. She says, Alan, I want you to spit that gum out, and I don't want to see that gum in your mouth again. I spit out the gum. And I thought to myself, well, you know, she got lucky. And so I put two more pieces in my mouth again. And I began to chew very subtly so that nobody would notice, right? And I mean, after all, she is an old lady. I think she probably was younger than I am now. But there it is. <laughs> when, you're, when you're in grade five, uh, when you're 30-year-old people look old. Anyway, so here I am chewing my gum again. And uh, she caught me again. And what followed was the most most humiliating thing I have ever experienced, I think. But you know what? She never sent me to the office. And I don't know how many of you remember, but in in those olden days, if you got caught chewing gum in class, or if you disobeyed a teacher in class, you could very easily be sent to the principal's office to receive a 
You said that very loud, very clearly, and very quickly, Ray. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. But she didn't. She, she chose to extend grace. Now, here's the thing. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they were outraged by this woman's sin. And so many of us are outraged by the sins of others, aren't we? The teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they caught this woman in adultery. And in essence, they, they, they brought her to the principal's office. They brought her to Jesus to see what he would do. They wanted to humiliate her and condemn her. Her actions, after all, deserved it. And you know what? She knew it. She knew that she deserved condemnation. She knew that she deserved judgment. She knew what the Bible said about, about what happens to adulterers. Now, what do you think she's thinking at this moment? Well, what would you think at that moment? You would be thinking, uh, God, let the earth swallow me up now. God, I'm so sorry. God, please forgive me and it will never happen again. God, get me out of here. Let the earth open up and swallow me up. You know, you know what I'm talking about. That's, that's how you would feel. In fact, you know what? Maybe that's how you have felt. Because you have been caught. Because you have experienced the Holy Spirit's finger on your heart. And you recognize, even now as I'm speaking, your own sin. What you want is what this woman wanted. She wanted grace. She wanted to be forgiven. She wanted to be set free. She wanted to start over. She wishes she could go back, even just a few hours, and take the other course, do the other thing, so as not to go through this humiliation and this pain so that she would be able to avoid the guilt. Now, I want the Spirit of God to speak to your heart today. Because the fact of the matter is, is that so often you and I have taken the wrong course. But so often you and I take the wrong course. And so often we forget how much we, like this woman, are in need of God's grace. I'm going to tell you this this morning. The more outrageous is your sin, the more outrageous is the grace needed to deal with your sin. Did you know that? And I want you to know today that God's grace is greater than your sin. Does anybody remember that old hymn? Grace that is greater than our sin. This is the grace that I'm talking to you about today. And unless you understand this grace, then you will never be able to fully appreciate what Jesus has done for you at the cross. And you will never understand why, in fact, we celebrate the Lord's table. And so this morning, I want, by the Spirit of God, I want you to open your heart up and hear what the Spirit is saying to your heart. Today, you need God's grace. Don Davidson, you need God's grace. Louise Norsworthy, you need God's grace. Rabina, you need God's grace. John, you need, I need God's grace. And not just a little bit. How many know that today? 
It's not just a little portion. I need that outrageous grace. The grace that outrages the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who are demanding the the implementing of the law of Moses, which demands death. Now let the Spirit of God speak to your heart today. Because some of you think, you know, once I became a Christian, that was it. I had... I'm done with sin. But the fact of the matter is, my friends, is that as long as you're on this earth, you are in need of God's grace. And that's why we celebrate the Lord's table, to come to Him and thank Him once again for God's grace. Now, I want you, I want you, I'm going to point something out to you right now because it's really important that you get this. Because if you don't get this, you're not going to understand how God works in your life. Do you know that it is God's grace that allows this woman to be caught. Did you know that? Ah, some of you might think, oh, you know, if God really loved this woman, he never would have allowed her to go through this. I'm going to tell you something that's, that's worse than being humiliated. What's worse than being humiliated is losing your soul. And so this is why God allows this woman to be caught And my friends, this was the way that this woman was able to experience God's love and forgiveness. Isn't that that fantastic? And so this morning, if you've gone through a hard time, a humiliating time, understand that God's at work in your heart, in your life right now to transform you, to allow you to experience His marvelous grace. So the question now is, she's caught. Will she be condemned? Look what it says there. In the law of Moses, in the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, Jesus, what do you say? <laughs> what do you say, Jesus? Should, should she be put to death? Should she be stoned? Well, according to the scripture, in fact, she should be condemned and she should be. Stone, because that's what the Bible says. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10 says, If a man commits adultery with another man's wife, with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress must be put to death. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. Pharisees, teachers of law, you get an A plus in your knowledge of the Bible. Should she be condemned? Well, according to the Scripture... Yes, she should be condemned. And here's the thing. Anyone with any intellectual honesty would have to agree that in order for this world to function, there must be justice. There has to be a penalty for sin. There has to be a penalty for injustice. There has to be a penalty for wrong. Without justice and punishment for sin, this world would become a horrifying place to live. In fact... It's becoming that now because we have misunderstood justice and we've misunderstood grace. And we let the guilty go free. Sin has got to be punished. Do you know that? Did you hear that? Sin has to be punished. It can't be left unpunished. And so the Pharisees understand this. And uh, surely Jesus would understand this too. Well, I got news for you today. Jesus does understand this. 
Jesus does know that justice must be carried out. Jesus understands full well that your sin and my sin has got to be punished. But here's the question. Is condemnation and judgment the only way to deal with sin? Billy Graham tells a story about when he was an itinerating evangelist in his early days. He was going through a small southern town and he was stopped by a policeman and charged with the crime of speeding. Graham admitted his guilt to the police officer and was told by the police officer that he would in fact have to appear in court. The judge asked Billy Graham, Sir, not knowing who Billy Graham was at first, he said, Sir, are you guilty or not guilty? And Graham pleaded guilty. And then the judge replied, that'll be $10, a dollar for every mile that you went over the speed limit. <laughs> Those are the good old days, by the way. <laughs> a dollar for every mile you went over the speed limit. Suddenly, the judge recognized who this person was sitting in his courtroom. It was, in fact, the famous evangelist Billy Graham. And this is what the judge said to Billy Graham. He says, you have violated, violated the law. The fine must be paid, but I'm going to pay it for you. And so he took a $10 bill from his own wallet, attached it to the ticket, and then took Graham out and bought him a steak dinner. <laughs> Billy Graham's response to that was simple. He said this. He said, that is how God treats repentant sinners. I want you to recognize today that the sin was atoned for. The, the penalty was paid. There was judgment. There was condemnation. There was judgment. The penalty had to be paid. But notice who paid the penalty. It wasn't the sinner. It wasn't the lawbreaker. It was the judge himself. Now, I want the Spirit of God to speak to your heart this morning and fill your heart with joy, even as my heart is filled with joy in saying these very words. There is another way. There is a way besides judgment and condemnation. Hallelujah. And it is grace. God's grace. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Somebody be a Baptist this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, sister. And I think you are a Mennonite. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, man, think about this poor woman within just an inch of her life. And Jesus does not condemn, but gives grace. And that, my friends, is what God has done for Alan Duncalf. That is what God has done for you. Rather than you suffering the penalty for your sin, Jesus says, I will pay the price. That is why we are celebrating the Lord's Supper this morning. We're celebrating that Jesus took the judgment, the condemnation on himself. The judgment that you deserve, Jesus took it upon himself. And so this woman experienced 
experience is what it means to be cleared, what it means to be forgiven. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Where are your accusers? Where are those who are condemning you? Where are those who want to see you suffer for your sin? Where are those who want to cast stones? Where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she says, no one, sir. No one. And then Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. Can I just stop for a moment and and just remind us all that in receiving God's grace, God has also called you and me to show and extend God's grace to others. If God could forgive you your sin, how much more should you forgive others their sin? Now, I love, I love, I love what Jesus says. You're free. Go. Go and sin no more. How can Jesus do this? How can Jesus let her off the hook? Does it mean that Jesus now is saying that the Old Testament is not valid? Is he saying that that the law of Moses is not valid? No, he's not saying that at all. What he's doing is he's introducing something brand new that his disciples didn't understand and that the Pharisees didn't understand. He was introducing grace. Outrageous grace, marvelous grace, amazing grace. How can he do this? How can he forgive and clear people of their guilt and their sin? Well, I want to point to another passage in the Gospel of John. It's John chapter 3. And how many here have memorized John 3.16? Everybody knows John 3.16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What a lot of people don't do is they don't know John 3.17 and John 3.18. And John 3.17 says this, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Here's how Jesus can get around the law. Well, it's not really getting around the law, is it? It's here he, here's how he can go over the law. He says, Father, rather than Garrett dying for his sin, Father, I'll die for him. Rather than Ray dying for his sin, I'll die for him. Rather than Stan die, dying for his sin, Jesus says, I'm going to die for him. And all you and I have to do is put our faith in Him. All we have to do is believe in what He did at the cross. You have to believe that He did it for you. And my friends, you are as free as the woman in this story. Free to go and sin no more. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. This morning we're going to partake of this communion together. And as we do, I want you to to look at your own heart. I want you to see 
what Jesus has done for you. And I want your heart to be filled to overflowing. I want you to give God thanks for what he's done for you. So that when you take this communion this morning, it's with a heart full of gratitude for his grace, for his forgiveness. So that your heart would be full of thanksgiving for what he's done for you. And this morning, if you have not yet put your faith in Jesus, if you have not yet received from him that pardon, if you've not yet been cleared by Christ, I pray this morning would be the morning where you'd say, Jesus, I receive from you what you did at the cross for my sins. I receive that and I thank you. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Father, this morning we want to say thank you for what Jesus did on the cross and that we would recognize today that what he did for that woman caught in adultery, he also did for me and for everyone here. If there are any here today who have not yet received Jesus, if there are any here who have not yet believed in Jesus, if there are any here who have not yet said, Jesus, come into my life, I, I want you to be my Lord. God, that this would be the day of surrender to you. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your outrageous grace. The grace that outraged the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. That grace that outraged the self-righteous. Thank you. Thank you for forgiveness of sin. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. I want to show you a video clip right now. And as we 